0: Welcome to Reward-Based Riding. This is a podcast about creating balance using reward-based training techniques. In this episode, we will talk about how it works, coming from the view on horse training as enrichment, and have a look at different ways to create physical and emotional balance. For me, this is the key to relaxation and connection at a gymnastically sound horse. So, questions that we need to ask. How does this look and how do we get there? Are there different kinds of balance? Can we have too much of it? So balance and movement for me personally is very much the lens I view behavior and training from. Behavior and training from a balance perspective and balance through movement is probably a very accurate description of how I how I at least try to work and whether we want to do dressage husbandry training show jump, show jumping or harness driving, or just go on long trail rides with our horse, a higher sense of balance will help our horses to do all this better, and I mean a higher sense of balance for us that is the topic for a different day, but the higher sense of balance for us in this direction of course helps a lot as well so. I would say balance will help the horse being better at being a horse and me being a better guide for my horse. So we all deal with imbalances in different aspects and I'm not thinking or having the idea that we're gonna be perfect or that we are actually looking for perfection, quite the opposite. But training in this sense from a balance point of view can be unimportant and is an important welfare aspect to help with this and to meet. It doesn't really matter what you want to train with your horse. What matters to me is how you train with your horse. And balance will affect this in any direction. So balance in itself is a quite interesting word. It's both a verb and a noun. So it describes both a state we attain and something we are actually doing. I would say balance for me is both a goal and a process, but what good balance can look like is very different from moment to moment and depending on our personal, individual needs as well. I'm a movement person, let's start with that, and I am totally inclined to think about behaviors from a movement type lens and behaviors in that sense, that the behaviors that our horses and that we are doing, they all have a direction. When we are training, and I mean in general in our life, behavior has a direction. And how I try to think about behaviors when I try to explain them for other people. So when we view balance in this, from this lens, as previously hinted, a state of equilibrium, I mean, if that's what we're trying to attain, then it's are given that we can only stay in this state for moments otherwise we would we would lose direction and would move forward and when we talk about balance from this sense often think about physical balance and addressing the natural asymmetry or at least my first thoughts often go to the natural asymmetry and the overall physical health of the horse how sound he is and helping a horse becoming stronger in this sense, and more supple in the long run, more straight. That's something that my life has uh, circled around for a long time, so maybe it's just me. But that's my go-to way of thinking about balance. And okay, straight, maybe we should say this, straight is meaning here, how the weight is distributed between the front and the back of the horse I mean, a horse is meant to be on the forehand after all, but when we ride, we want to change this balance slightly. So how the weight is distributed between the front and the back and between the sides, the two sides of the horse. And also when we become a bit more balanced, we can start thinking about the balance between the individual legs, all four of them actually. For example, helping the crooked right-handed left-footed horse, to bring that horse into a higher sense of horizontal balance. Horizontal balance meaning 50-50 front to back. Horizontal balance in general, that's a very worthy goal for any rider any day, I must say. Whether we work from the ground or from the saddle, I think horizontal balance may be the only thing most horses need. I mean, Personally, yes, I definitely want to do more than 50-50. But in general, I think it's an important question to ask myself and my students. Do our horses actually need more than this to to stay sound? Up for discussion, I think. So with that said, we, we, we now covered one aspect of balance, the physical balance. For myself, the view on helping the horse with physical balance and why I mention welfare in the same sentence as working with physical balance is simply the fact it has on the soundness and the the emotional balance. Physical balance often goes hand in hand with emotional balance and I think most of us has experienced how extremely uncomfortable it can be when we are out of physical balance. For me, myself at least, I often feel unsafe. Unhappy might be a strong word, but not not happy at least. And overall, it does not create really good emotion to be out of physical balance. And I think this is somewhat very, very true to when we can go to our horses. What we can observe in our horses is, for me, very like this. They don't like to be out of physical balance either. So reaching higher sense of body awareness from this sense and to access more of our body parts, that can be really, really empowering, something I see happening both with horses and humans all the time. That is what I mean when I say that the horse, when we are helping the horse becoming better at being a horse... The horse is becoming more horse, so to speak. I think that is also something we can observe when we help them access more body parts, that they do find a sense of balance, emotional balance in this sense. But all right, back to this. The longitudinal and the lateral balance, the, the handedness and the overall physical health, that is, uh, of course, if we're going to sit on our horses riding from the saddle, that is of course of highest importance to take us into into the equation so not to mention of course our emotional balance of course always affect the horse what we bring to a session that is also something we can very much benefit from having a look look at not every day is a good training day for for us humans i mean there is definitely days that i do skip because I don't feel in balance, be whatever balance we are talking about. I'm not going to be the best person for my horses that I just skip it. When we talk about emotional balance for me, where I start, that the the label relaxation, I think, yeah. And relaxation, I would say that's where the physical and emotional balance meet. What state of physical and emotional balance we we have and that are available in that very moment when we are training, that depends a lot on things that previous training, of course, but also the daily status and what has happened that morning or in the environment, etc, etc. But in general, a tense and a fearful horse is not in emotional balance, but nor can he be in true physical balance because tension, emotional tension affects the gaits and the rhythm of the horse. And it will spread tensions to the muscles and this will be reflected how the horse moves. So relaxation partly is created by being comfortable in the environment we work in. And of course, an understanding for the task that we are about to perform together, that often leads to a more relaxed performance and a relaxed horse and a relaxed human. That is priority number one. And if there are times... When we, for one reason or the other, need to down prioritize one aspect, it should be to answer a relevant question: a health concern, a lameness issue, assess a movement asymmetry, or to get an idea of why, what are we looking at here? Why, why don't we see emotional balance in this movement, for example? And uh, a more straightforward example might be: well, I often meet. Sadly, horses that doesn't really like to move, they don't like movement at all and seem to be very, we often label them as movement conservative or lazy or whatever label that these horses can get. To me, a horse that doesn't like movement is a pretty sad story. And of course, when I first meet the horse, it's impossible for me to know why doesn't like this horse like movement? And it can be very hard for the owner to also assess this situation. can be a very tricky question to answer. If we see a horse that doesn't really like to move, well, we need to ask ourselves if the horse is in pain. If the horse is in pain, that is a very different approach from a horse that maybe has a poisoned cue and that might have been taught to move with... Uh, Escalating pressure, and I mean escalating pr- pressure in situations where the horse actually didn't want to move or didn't understand that it was movement that was asked for or whatever, or had to, in short, a horse that has been made to move before he was ready or willing to move. That can create a situation where the horse, where we gradually build up aversiveness to move and when, of course, this will spill over to the cue that we are using, that the cue sort of reflects, oh, I've I'm, I'm been made to move with this cue, etc. Anyway, this can, of course, create certain feelings in our horses, and certain feeling around some of our cues, and we for sure don't want our horses to hate some of our cues, like, oh, I hate that cue, I don't want to do it, you know? Uh... However, this is, that is often a scenario I face when I am teaching. And of course, this asked me to make a few choices. And if the horse in general looks sort of okay and everything seems fine, I can see that, alright, the horse doesn't really love to move, but why can we have a look at the trot? Please, anyway, even though I see that you are, you don't like the trot. But to have a look at a couple of laps for me, or just to assess the movement, if I can find an asymmetry in the rhythm and the regularity of the gaits, etc., that's gonna help me to give a proper training plan. Because if the horse is in pain, the horse needs to see a vet. That's just it, you know? If a horse is in pain, well, it doesn't matter if I make a very... Subtle, nuanced training plan. It won't work anyway. So first thing, check if there's actually pain, and if we are in any way uncertain. I mean, it's always a good idea to check with a vet. Then you know where where to where to start. Of course, being very unbalanced, being very much on the forehand, being very right-handed, that can of course also create. Feelings surrounding movements. If, uh, if we ask the horse to move when they do not yet have the balance to do it, so to speak, we made a horse move when he isn't before he's ready to move, if this makes sense. So, two little bit of different scenarios here. But, uh, all these three different scenarios requires a different training plan set up. One is from the vet and some rehab. And the other two, yeah, goes for reshaping and building up the horse's individual balance. But that is for sure one example. It was a bit longer than expected here. But to give you an idea why I would down-prioritize one thing over the other. So back to the subject then. Uh, we'll, we we are talking about relaxation and how it can look like. But well, to me, a relaxed horse is a horse. That is willingly cooperating in the session and that has a overall relaxed face, no tension expression in their face or in the body and really relaxation. If we start from the beginning where I said relaxation defines where physical and emotional balance meet, that also indicates that relaxation is something that is growing every day in our training, or every time we train with balance in mind like this, which should be probably every day, you know, every day we train. Ah, At least this indicates that the more we train, the more relaxation. The more advanced we get, the more relaxation we should evolve at the same time. So for me, having relaxation and having high amounts of energy certainly isn't opposites here. As with most things, they are not binary. We can have high amounts of energy or play whatever you want to call it and still have a strong foundation of relaxation. So that's what I personally mean and why I personally prioritize relaxation so high. In general, if we have to surf the extinction burst to get high energy movement, I would say that mm, mm, maybe, maybe these horses isn't yet physically strong enough to do what we ask without extinction. So for me, in this sense, relaxation also has an aspect of connection to it, the connection between me and my horse and how well we work together and so on and so on. It won't always be perfect, of course, but relaxation and connection for me is is the, the number one guide to my session. So when we struggle to get relaxation... Yeah, where to start? This is probably going to be the foundation of oral future discussions in this podcast. Well, unless we are specifically discussing this. So where do we start? And I mean where the very first beginning is to have a look at the rest of the horse's life. That's the obvious place to start. Have you fulfilled the basic needs before we talk? Any training aimed for anything? And this is for me task number one. Fulfill your horse basic needs. Friend, access to forage, movement, being a horse. In, in this sense, being the biological creature, a horse. What needs does a horse have from this sense? And if we are lacking somewhere here, I mean, it's, it's the same as always. It won't always be perfect. I and mean, sometimes we have to live in or be in situation where we are not fully happy and we can't maybe fulfill all our needs, but to make sure to prioritize that before we go to train, I don't know, dressage, for example. Life is far from ideal for many horses, I know that, but training can for sure be a very good tool to help with higher welfare also in this aspect. So yeah, looking at our horse's needs first, that's the main idea of this. So yeah, that's where we start. And we will return to this in in a different setting, but it's a reasonable thing to ask from a horse trainer that we first and foremost fulfill or try to fulfill our horse's basics needs. So with this said, a different Aspect of emotional balance is the food we are training with. Most often I use food in my training as the rewards and this can create very, very invested learners. I mean, that's, that's what we love, right? But it can also bring in aspects of frustration if we are working with food and it becomes very, very important for the horse. And in this podcast, I will talk a lot about pause and what i mean with pause i'm trying to pronounce it right now is a horse that can relax and chill and take a break with me in the same environment that we are when we are training and in overall in all environments actually a pause that i can access a pause that's a preferable goal for me and What I want to create is a horse that is happy to interact with the rest of his environment that is not me, the trainer, and that I can remain in the horse's presence, as I said. The horse, without the horse wanting to mug me or make me start training or stop me from leaving the training ground or whatever, so you name it, that's one aspect as well we have to take into consideration when when we are training with food rewards. The other aspects of this, horses that doesn't want to participate in the training session, maybe they don't like yet to train so much. What can I do to make the horse a happy participant, a happy relaxed participant in their session? That's a good start. So these two opposites here creates or needs different approaches, but What is relevant to think about to think about and going back to pause, which is where I would start anyway with these two different horses, which is a rather binary example, but for the for the clarity maybe. A pause for me is a trained behavior. We can't expect the horse to be balanced about training if the only time the horse gets reinforcers is when I show up and when i ask my horse to do stuff then it doesn't really matter if we are in liberty or not if the horse can walk away or not if the only way to get the reinforcer is for me the trainer that's uh, that is not talking about choice there is no there's very little choice in that that situation at least in my def- definition because if the only access to food is me then the likelihood that the horse going to turn away and turn away from the session, etc., and say no, that is very, very low. Unless there are significantly higher amounts of negative reinforcement aversives involved in, in this situation. So, I find that those aversives need to be quite strong for the horse to actually choose to leave, if that's our training scenario. So for me, one aspect of this, why I focus so much on pause, is to try to give my horse an option, a choice, we might call it, to, if you don't want to participate, there you can access reinforcers away from me as well. I find that, for me, this sounds maybe, I don't know how it sounds, but can maybe sound a bit technically hard. I find that uh, it is when we train it quite the opposite and it gives so much to the relaxation. And it's for me the fastest way to connection as well. That food is available in the session, in the environment. That is not for me the trainer. So we will definitely return to pause in this podcast. This is just a very short intro to to this if you haven't heard me talk about pause before, and a subject very dear to my heart and something I put a lot of time in, both with students and in my own training. But in short, a pause is, as I define it, a balancing tool. This is where I balance my session, a structured tool for planning my session. And yeah, the third aspect of balance that I wanted to address today Today also is a balanced session structure. Well, I I, I, as you heard, I I already went on a bit about it, and a clear structure of what starts and stops our training, what cues pause, because it's a trained behavior and a trained behavior often needs cues, be it from me or from the environment, what activates pause, what activates training. Is there things in between that we need to take into consideration? When we think structure, especially in the beginning when our horses doesn't really have a behavior repertoire built up with reward-based training, this is a very, very good thing to plan and think around, and definitely something that will greatly influence the emotional balance. So to think a little bit, what is here, how should I go about it? And I mean, probably for both of you, a sense of structure Sense of how we structure our session will make us both a bit calmer and clearer about how this works. For me, POS gives both horse and human an exit strategy from the training. And we we can all do well in thinking about what exit strategies do we have from certain scenarios. Do we do we have one? So this comes down to good behavior that we are looking for. I'm making air quotes, setting up the environment so that good behaviors are more likely to happen and that we can make reinforcers or structural planning in the session. We can make reinforcement more available, more clear to our horse, more clear to us. We can plan the whole session from this perspective And this is not set in stone, because this how we answer this question will, of course, be very much down to how we live and what our specific needs are in that environment. My horses live with me, or I live with them, how we want to express this. I'm very privileged in this sense. I can study them almost all day from a window, and then we go out to train. I can set up a lot of things very specific to my liking and what fits them. maybe this isn't true for you and that can be challenging sometimes, but it can also trigger us to be a little bit more creative just by having these thoughts and maybe just planting thoughts in this direction is a little bit what I wanted this podcast to be to be about so yeah, say for example you are cueing how how can it look? We can if we cue our horse, alright, end of session, now we're done. My cue in this setting, that is when I when I queue end of session, I put the last reinforcer on the ground or low or on something in the environment. I don't give it from my hand. And that means either it means go to pause or the session ends. That's the well, sometimes that's the same, you know. So if this cue, from the horse's perspective we are talking now, if this cue means, ah, she's leaving with all my reinforcers, or if this cue means, well, now I get to explore the environment or go to my friends or you name it. Of course, I prefer the second one here. For sure, in my own training, when I started clicker training back, back in the days, I mean... I had huge problems with one of my horses in this sense also, and um, ending session or taking breaks in general, that was the least thing on his wish list, and that was very stressful for both of us, and I had to be very careful about queuing end of session, so that I could be near an exit point and sort of run for it, And which I mean, this is very far from the balance that I prefer and what I'm talking about now and something I actively try to prevent from happening, of course, but to give you an overall idea that that is still something I see in some of the horses setups, human horses setups that I train and, and that we very effectively can solve with some post training. So yeah, the main purpose as I think I said, is to get you to think about how this looks for you, how you want it to look. Can you make it more likely to happen, more desirable, preferable behaviours? So yeah, also a welfare note. If the training is so important that my horse gets dangerous when I stop training him, from an emotional perspective and from a human safety, or horse for that matter... That is, uh, of course, not a good way to spread reward-based training either. And that is also one of the purposes of my life, I guess you can say. And for sure, one of the purposes of this podcast. So yeah, I think there's four ones, only one answer here. And that is to help the horse and ourselves to balance this. So I mean, we can take this first. I'm looking at my show no now. Balance structure, different reinforcers, the value of the reinforcer, the the treats that we are using. That is also very effective tool to emotional balance our horses. So low value, everyday treats for me and my horses. That's hay cubes. Sometimes soaks, sometimes a little bit drier. Sometimes I train on hay. Some I I've kind of often in the winter train on the lunch hay and add some pellets or. Other type of reinforcers. Almost all of my horses are easy keepers. For those who are, I definitely need to think about their weight. But I think today, yeah, we I think, especially nowadays, we, we still have many good options of available food that is reasonably healthy so that we can work with a high rate of reinforcement without really make our horses. Overweight so yeah that's for for sure if we also think about training on high valued reinforcers the the problem with that I think is also it's not that we can we can' actually train our horses on anything. I have trained several horses also on straw, maybe not ideal because it's hard to handle but when or once your horse gets into the training idea, I find we can and should expand our reinforcers by a lot, and that is part of the training. And with reinforcers here, I mean not only food reinforcers, but other exercise, scratches, you know, things that our horses find reinforcing in that, that moment. But apart from that, we also might take into consideration that uh, not only from health perspective, but when we are training on high-value treats, this is also, which I totally do sometimes, I regularly train on my horse's favorite stuff, but I think there is uh, something to consider training on too high high-value food. And again, this comes down to the session structure and what my horses are willing to do to get access to that one high-value reinforcer. That is, of course, my responsibility. But there is a coercive element to training on very high value food, and the same as I said before, if the only way to access this high value reinforcer is through me, and I'm not also giving it rather freely, that can cause for sure frustration and behavior that we rather not show up in a session that is related to food aggressiveness and stuff like that so. In, in general, problems with the emotional balance, that is, uh, I think, one of the easiest way to solve when that is our problem. Okay, but use something something less valuable, that they immediately slow down and that it's not so important for them to to access to food in that session so that they can actually think and be with us. So yeah, I was supposed to leave session structure, but here I am. But what I wanted to say about it is for the purpose of this discussion, I think we, we can leave session instruction here and proceed to balance between behavior. And this is, I've already mentioned it, but to single it out a bit more, yes, we can argue that everything I talked about here is under the umbrella of balance between behavior, but including the above mentioning pausing, chilling together, and doing active training. This balance is the balance between behavior is definitely something I want to grow in my training and deepen the more advanced we get as with relaxation. But also this balance I mean well it can sound easy, but this is often in my teaching also and in my own training of course, to get the balance between behavior that's where I find most solutions to perceived problems, and I, I think we can use targeting as a very easy, simple example. Since targeting is often where many starts, and a nose target is a popular way to introduce horses to positive reinforcement training techniques. And since, since the target is also a very visual tool, the association can get really strong, not only because it's the first, but it's also very clear what is going to happen, what earns the reinforcer, so to speak. So the likelihood that the, our horses want to perform target behavior often gets really, really high. If we aren't really used to horses having an agenda of their own, this can be very hard to tackle for a new trainer and we can accidentally withhold the click and the horse ends up frustrated. Well, I'm just doing what you asked for. Why don't you give me a treat? You know, stuff like that, that I think we all have experienced if we tried clicker training. But in from this sense, to think about the balance and if we started targeting and we don't yet have an R plus or pos- positively reinforcement built up behavior repertoire yet, maybe we only have one behavior and that is this targeting. Then we only have one word on our new language that we intend to speak with our horses. Well, then the horse can only speak one word in this language. And that makes, uh, well, things a bit frantic sometimes And when the horse wants to speak this word. So targeting can show up when we rather it didn't, you know, in different scenarios. So targeting unsafe stuff, stuff or... Maybe you have your horse on a, where other people are handling. So the horse targets stuff with them and they do not know that this is a trained behavior and might punish your horse for doing it. Well, that's not the best of situations. So also this kind of balance. What should we balance this kind of behavior with? Well, that's mainly why I start with standing still facing forward as the first behavior or just walking next to me facing forward because these are safe behaviors in very, very many scenarios. So, and won't, won't, and won't probably not put my horses in a bad situation. But yes, it's one behavior. But that's sort of what I mean when I'm talking about balance between behavior. What can I balance this behavior with nose target and free walking? Those are very good to balance with each other, for example. And the more behavior we have. The larger behavior repertoire that we have built, the more words we can speak on our new language, the more fluent we will get. And knowing, having fluency on a language, I mean, that gives freedom, at least I would define it at that. So from a gymnastical point of view, which I sort of lost it here, but if you return also from a gymnastical point of view, balance between behaviors for me mean balance between forward, balance between collection, balance between training one hind leg as an inside hind leg, and one hind leg as an outside hind leg for example. So finding balance like this might now sound like, like I am putting two opposite, two opposite forces against each other, and to some extent... Of course, this is very true, but we won't be getting nowhere if we stay with this definition. If you ask me, and I I, I know technically you, you didn't, but here we are. So if you ask me, I'm thinking the nuances here are endless. And a, maybe a good example of this is my six-year-old Spanish horse, Tiny. I've been riding him for rather exactly one year now. And he has a very well-prepared behaviors from the saddle. I prepare them from the ground. And he has a good understanding of the two opposite forces of making a halt and going forward. He can perform those super well in relation to my cues. When I ask him to move forward, that's my forward cue. and When I ask him to halt, oh... He is very, very savvy on, on those cues. So now, yeah, that's two verbal cues. We also have different cues for the same behavior, but this brings a certain balance between forwardness and standing still. But you know, when we have ridden a bit longer, we want to have nuances between those two. We want to go forward. We want to go forward in different stride length. We want to go forward in different gates. We want to well that's an aspect of stride length, a collection. We want to do be able to do collection and we want to be able to stop and back up and you know things like that. So the older the older he will be and the older I will be when we train together, the more nuances we will hopefully get. So in some sense what I am describing here, is just riding, and I have just cut the example to to fit my purposes, of course. I mean, but what do we have between, I think that's very interesting to think about, what do we have between moving forward and standing still? Well, an endless amount of behaviors. So for me, it's really good. I want to have the, that's partly why I do it with verbal cues. I want to have my verbal cues Ho, for example, asking the horse to halt. I always want my horse to halt on that cue, and I always want my horse to just go forward on my go forward cue. But in between that, I add in rain cues or different verbals or environmental cues for balancing that. Just thinking about a half halt, that is a very, can be a very nuanced expression of a halt and moving forward at the same time. So yeah, now my dressage nerdiness comes to show, you know, just, just in general, we are just starting to explore a different, more nuanced kind of balance between shorten the stride length and lengthen the stride length in the walk and in the trot and working a bit more with what will be riding balance, more horizontal balance. Just, yeah, we're just starting to figure this out. I I mean, we are actually doing a bit of uh, shoulder in and haunches in as well, but very premature versions of them. But just to get a, a little bit, hey, what do you think about using this hind leg or that and leg and etc. But this is to show what I mean with balance of between behavior and distance. And as always, I, I'm going long when I'm giving examples, so, so sorry about that. But uh, it's a big spectrum, and I, I hope maybe this works for you. I don't know, you tell me. If I force myself to end it here, main point balance can be this or that, but it can also be everything in between. So and it often is, I think. And this view on balance, that it's not necessarily right or wrong also, has really shaped me and helped me to view behaviors, especially behaviors that one might label problem behaviors. This has really helped me with my view on those To Okay, I rather have a little less of this. What? Where can I find the balance of specific behaviors? So, In many ways, the view of balance between behaviors. Now I made behaviors in all direction, but uh, this is truly one of the most important things in our training and what really makes for independent horse trainer as well to learn to think, hmm, where's the balance in this? If I don't want this, what can I create instead? So yeah, balance as you hear it. This will be the guide in this podcast, and we have scratched the surface a little bit what I am about in this sense, and of course, this is a concept I will continue to explore with my guests, and yeah, if you have comments to these episodes or comments about what you would want me to talk about, well, let me know. You have the link in show notes, and if you want it practical, yes, I have to say this too, in December. I will talk a little bit about physical balance and how to straighten the crooked R-plus horse and what kind of tools we need for that when we are aiming to create gymnastic with positive reinforcement training. How is that different from the traditional way of doing it down there? And together with my lovely colleague from Reward-Based Horse Academy, Do Grun, sorry about the pronunciation of your name though we're gonna do a five hour long workshop just for focusing on the structure of a training session different types of pause to active training and back again and how we can structure this and how we best can help our horses finding balance here so we will return in a podcast and talk a little bit more about how how this can look like and see if you are curious about finding out. But I think that's it for now. So yeah, talk soon.